I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass. Oh, 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 Magic! Hello and welcome to Friday's Rugby Weekly. Kieran Kennedy here as we head into another big weekend of Champions Cup action for the provinces. It's the final round of pool games with 24 teams about to be chopped down to 16 and a couple of the provinces not sitting too comfortably. We'll go through them all and we'll also touch on some massive news in Australian rugby this morning. News that I know will have excited the 42s, Murray Kinsella. Murray, how's the form? I'm delighted that Joe is back so quickly into action as the main man. Watched his presser this morning, reminded me of a few Ireland pressers, and he said himself, you could characterise him as a boring kind of coach. So it's not going to be Eddie Jones-esque, but um, we'll come back to that. I mean, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Each of the games really intrigues me, and as we'll discuss, a few returning players and strong sides that the provinces are going to face as well. I'm down to Toman Park tomorrow and really looking forward to that one. Big crowd down in Limerick, really inform Northampton side and a Munster team who've been renewed by what happened last weekend in, in Toulon. What's your what's your plan for the weekend? I'm off to Welford Road tomorrow, which isn't quite as nice. glamorous as my weekend in the south of France last weekend. But it's <laughs> uh, I love going to Welford Road. It's a great place to watch rugby. There's a real buzz around the place. The crowd is good. Um, there's a few good curry houses down the road as well so I'm looking forward to my trip that's a good couple of weekends in fairness Felix Mayall is a really class stadium and as you say very different class in a very different way but two really strong kind of European I suppose forts for, for their home teams they both have good records there great pride as well so you're getting a nice little tour of of the, the glamour of, of European rugby I'd put Welford Road in with a bit of glamour it's a different kind of glamour it's a bit more um, old school but I love that as well yeah a different glamour but like I say it's those kind of rugby towns where there's there's a buzz around the place on a match day there's 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 a team shop in, in the middle of the city there's people out buying tickets in the morning there's there's flags up and just even in Toulon last weekend I walked to a shopping centre and outside of, outside of Barber's they had a big monster flag hanging outside so um, it feels like an event where there's a, when there's a game on in those places so that's kind of what I'm looking forward to most and we sure we might start with with Leinster actually and as we record it's about 15 or 20 minutes after the teams for tomorrow's games have been released so Leinster they've already qualified for the knockouts but they're going all out for this trip to Leicester when I saw this Leinster team my first thought was that actually this group would do a decent job away to France in two weeks time <laughs> you've got you've got 15 Ireland internationals in the starting team and um, two changes from last weekend with James Ryan returning to the second row and the big news really is that Harry Byrne starts at 10 so no Kieran Frawley in the match day 23 after his back injury against Stad last weekend it's disappointing for Frawley but it's another huge opportunity for Harry Byrne with the Six Nations fast approaching exactly that and it just feels like a game of musical chairs at the moment with that number 10 jersey and jumping in and jumping out and through no fault of their own there have been a couple of injury niggles there and demands elsewhere in the back line maybe with Frawley a couple of times so neither of them has really got a, a perfect run of rhythm in that jersey and and that definitely helps when you're an out half you want to have that back-to-back um, smoothness of performances and do things that you didn't do right the weekend before better and continue to do things that you you did well so yeah it's kind of frustrating for for the pair of them in, in that regard looks like Frawley should be all right for for Six Nations as far as we know but it's, of course, timely for Harry Byrne to come back and get a game. And the same applies to James Ryan in a different way. Obviously, a more established player, but 
to get a start under his belt and and hopefully a big performance will be really important for him. You know, heading into a, a squad where Ian Henderson had a good World Cup and has been in good form, I think, for, for Ulster, where Joe McCarthy is kind of the coming force for Leinster and, and Ireland. And of course, Ty Byrne is still there as well. Ryan Baird, yeah, maybe he's going to be a blindside option again, but potentially in that mix as well. So it is a competitive area for Ireland. And I think Ryan will be really conscious of, of kind of having a, a bit of a statement performance, both for Leinster in, in that battle for places as well, but, but also for Ireland. Yeah, and, and those 15 Ireland internationals in the starting team, it, it underlines the value they place on getting that home advantage in the knockouts. They're, they're really not taking any chances here and, and, and going all out. And just to briefly touch on Leicester, so, so Leinster topped the pool with 14 points and then Tigers are on nine, same as the Stormers. And something I'm really looking forward to tomorrow is seeing Andre Pollard come up against this Leinster team. He, he didn't start against La Rochelle last weekend and James Lowe was talking about it at the Leinster press conference earlier in the week. Like Pollard knows Jacques Nienebert and his defensive system so well. It's, it's going to be fascinating to see how he tries to stretch and manipulate this Leinster team who, who as we know, are still learning their lines a bit with Nina Bar and his new structure. Presumably, Pollard just led the attacking meeting, as he probably does many weeks anyway, because that's his kind of role as a 10. But you've got such great, extremely recent insight into exactly what, what Leinster are doing. And I know they'll say they have their own little tweaks on it, but so many of the principles are, are still applicable. But at the same time, anyone who does their analysis now on Leinster can, can see exactly what is going to be there and the opportunities that might be presented but getting there is an altogether different challenge and a team like Ulster did that really well recently but someone like Pollard absolutely has the tools to to go after a, a bit of space Leicester have been kind of middling this season they've lost five times I think in the Premiership they've not been the force that they seem to be threatening to become again or the force of old indeed the, the kind of classic Leicester team but you look at the the side they're putting out this weekend and there's there's plenty of punch there isn't it, in that pack Ollie Chesham has been a really powerful presence in English rugby Jasper Visa another Springbok in there Julian Montoya who is the, the Pumas captain is a, a really gritty operator excellent jackal and James Cronin I'm, I'm intrigued to see how he goes because he's been from what I've seen playing really good rugby in, in Leicester since he since he joined from Biarritz and you know in a position like Lou said where we don't have the, the greatest depth in Irish rugby he's a guy who's still kind of uh, operating towards the peak of his powers and then the likes of Pollard Stewart even Dan Kelly in the back line a, an ex-Ireland under-20s player and a guy who's maybe going to become uh, Ireland el- eligible again this summer un- unless something changes quickly they have physical power and prowess and some of them are good in the air as well and, and there's a whole kind of range of, of tools there to, to ch- challenge Leinster. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game and the motivation for, for Leinster is massive there to get potentially get a, a top seeding. Maybe that won't happen, but it would be huge for their season and there's no reason for them not to, to pitch up really strongly this weekend. Mm, has the potential to be a really interesting game and that's at quarter past three tomorrow. And then at half five, Munster take on Northampton. As you said, you're heading down the road to Tom Park to watch a Munster team who must have a real spring in their step after that great win in Toulon. Graham Rountree's side, even a single match point in defeat would see Munster progress into the knockout stages. So they're on eight points with Northampton and Exeter already qualified. Glasgow are behind Munster then on five points with Bayonne on three, Toulon on two. They could even grab an unlikely home game in the round of 16 if they beat Northampton with a bonus point and 
Exeter were to get nothing away to Bayonne, but at the same time, if they were to lose heavily tomorrow without any match points, and then Bayonne go and get a big bonus point win over Exeter, they're out. So last weekend was great. It took the pressure off big time, but they still have to finish the job here. There's a bounce back in them, as I said to Gav on Wednesday when I was down on Tuesday for the media day. You could sense the just a bit of relief, a bit of weight off their shoulders uh, after that too long game and having had a bad run of 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 results really and performances as well. Munster team who when they get into that flow, they, they really can score tries. So even to think, oh, they might get a bonus point out of this game is not impossible, even though Northampton's defence has been good. Munster, when they click, really are at times a little bit irresistible in, in terms of their uh, attack. And it's a really settled team just Ollie Yeager coming into the, the tight head slot and that's brilliant to see for Irish Roby because he's going to go next week and train with Ireland he's just recently back on Irish soil and he's going to get in that mix and you're always looking for good tight heads and it'll be really brilliant to see if he if he can develop and be really excellent at scrum time in particular because there's no doubt that he's a really good operator around the pitch he tackles well he's got good ball handling he can carry in those tight channels as well and, and to see him scrummage well this weekend would be I think really positive for, for the Irish rugby depth chart but Northampton are coming with their own array of strengths and their their long standing confidence really they've had a really good run of performances and results they're top of the Premier Premiership they're going for four out of four here they're chasing that top seed status and they've had a really complete game this year every time I've watched them I've been impressed with how they attack lethally when they do attack, but they kick a lot of ball. They kick as much as anyone or more than most, to be, to be honest, as most successful teams do. They attack well when they when they actually keep the ball in hand, but they position themselves well on the pitch. And, and Finn Smith, a, a young 21-year-old at half, he seems to have great maturity in that regard. And Alex Mitchell, who's rise to suddenly become the England starting scrum half last year at the World Cup was was pretty remarkable. He's developed into the player everyone thought he could be and and he's managed all that kind of side of it as well. They're definitely getting more from their forwards. Charlie Morgan in the Telegraph did a really good piece during the week if people haven't seen it around um, Northampton focusing a little bit on putting a bit of extra size on but but not losing their their ability to play at speed which was their kind of DNA and, and you can certainly see that in the pack. The, the likes of Alex Coles, who's going into that England squad, Tom Pearson in the back row, those guys have gone really well and, and look like they're kind of moving on to a, a new level as well. But I've been waiting for him to come up against a, a European force and Munster haven't been that at all in the last couple of years. That's that's just a fact. Um, but they have been in the mix for, for that kind of tier just below Leinster and La Rochelle maybe to be, to be pushing into that. Um, and so in Thoma Park with a massive crowd with Munster feeling like they're back to towards their best. I think it's a really good challenge for this Northampton team. And yeah, I'm excited to to see how they go in, in that cauldron. Yeah, well, well, that's the big thing, isn't it, for Munster? It's just to build on last week's performance in Toulon. Like, it has been a difficult couple of months for Munster. We all know the injury struggles, but Toulon just felt like a real reminder of what this team is capable of. And now it's about backing that up and just starting to try build some consistency again. And going to Toulon, you just... Looked at match day 23 and instantly with Scandal back, with O'Mahony back, with Carberry back even on the bench, you thought it's just better straight away. And even though they didn't go to their bench very much at all, it wasn't until late, late that they used quite a few of the guys. They just had, it, it just felt like they had a better match day squad. And when someone like Niall Scandal comes back and delivers one of the outstanding performances he's delivered for Munster, really, that's not an exaggeration. He was, I thought, a clear player of the match, to be honest. 
um, when you get that out of a guy returning, it makes such a difference. And when they get that return from their front row monster, it's just so important to them. Jeremy Lockman was really good in Toulon. John Ryan, who goes onto the bench, was really good in Toulon. They had some big moments in this game. And I suppose that's always been the concern around Munster is that tight five slash mainly just the, the front row and them having that kind of physical might to to compete and thrive so if they can get that again I think the rest of the team is is more than good enough to to win at home but I'd be shocked if Northampton don't fire loads of shots of their own and it, it should be a pretty entertaining battle mm. Ulster are the early game tomorrow they're away to Harlequins at 1pm a difficult challenge after last weekend's heavy defeat to, to lose but at least the task is clear. A win of any kind guarantees them a place in the round of 16. Quinns are already through. A bonus point win would see them secure home advantage in the round of 16. So there's no lack of age, lack of motivation on their part either. And and really Ulster just want this done before Racing kick off against Cardiff later on Saturday. So Stuart Lancaster's men trail Ulster by two points. They've lost all three of their pool games, but will be expected to get over the line against Cardiff. And the good news for Ulster is that all six players named in the Six Nations squad during the week start and that's Tom Stewart, Tom O'Toole, Ian Henderson, Nick Timney, Jacob Stockdale and Stuart McCloskey. So it's a strong Ulster team but look, if this goes wrong for Ulster tomorrow it's it's just going to be really deflating, isn't it? Even McCloskey was saying this week he doesn't want to be playing Challenge Cup rugby. They want the Champions Cup status. They they want those big games but they've got to go out and earn it now. All season, it's kind of been a case of will the real Ulster please stand up? And you still don't know what the real Ulster is because they've had some strong, gritty, composed performances. And they've had others where they've, like even I put last weekend in, in a just a really disappointing performance bracket because Toulouse were great. And Birch and I on the pod gave them their dues and their credit when we were discussing this on Monday for, for subscribers. But we were really disappointed what Ulster delivered on home soil. And after building towards this point for, for quite a few years it's not like they've had loads of upheaval and change in their squad they've actually they should be at a stage of the project where they're they're winning home games even against the the top European sides like uh, like Toulouse so that was really disappointing and everyone's expecting to see a response the settled nature of the team it, it should help I think it's great to see David McCann back a guy who is 23 now right from the Ireland under 20s and before that even we knew that he had high level potential and he started this season really well was very unfortunate to get a, an ankle injury um, and, and maybe that disrupted his chance even at an outside bet for a, a Six Nations squad spot or to be in that mix very competitive mix for the back row he's played in all the three slots even this season I think in, in the back row and he's definitely starting to look like the senior professional player who lots of us thought he, he could be he looks just punchier in contact, really aggressive across the board. Then brilliant line-out skills and and handling ability. He looks like he could be a very complete back row player. And I mean, they do have they do have quite a few individuals who are showing good form. Henderson, I mentioned, I think he's been playing really well. Nick Timoney back in an Ireland squad and, and fully deserve it. And I know I know people will be disappointed maybe if they're from Munster and John Hodnett's in there or Keen Prendergast if they're from Connacht and he's not in there. And they had definite claims for it but in a tight squad Nick Timoney it's, it's hard to argue with him being in there because he's been so explosive and yeah we know the damage he can do and has been doing for, for Ulster all this season it is going to be a, it, like the, the challenge is simple go and win in, in, in Quinns but again they're another side who are competing to make sure that they've got uh, a home advantage and it is an exciting team you, we know when they get rolling 
they can be um, very difficult to stop. Joe Marler back adding a bit more grunt and, and power and, and that back line is exciting. Even guys we're less familiar with, Oscar Beard, the outside centre who's now in the England mix, a guy I've just kind of been getting to know in terms of watching this season. He's been really impressive, really clever footballer. We know Danny Kerr and Marcus Smith are, are really creative and they love to play at pace. In the pack, Chandler Cunningham South is another one of those new England faces. Young back row who was massive in terms of being an under-20 player and now is trying to, to step up at, at this level. And even Alex Dombrandt, who's, who's captaining the side, he's he seems to have had a bit of rev- revival to, to get himself back into that England squad as well. So it's a tough, tough ask for Ulster. And I'm convinced that if they play to their potential, they can absolutely win this game. But I just don't know if that's going to happen, Kieran. Same conversation always at Ulster, you just don't know. Um, Connacht up against Bristol tonight and this is is not looking great for Connacht. Three defeats from three games and just a single match point so far. It does leave them highly unlikely to go through. They would need to hammer Bristol in Galway tonight and then also hopefully on beat Saracens well at Saris tomorrow. And then on top of that, they'd kind of need to make sure Bristol don't get a losing bonus point either. So they're, so they're really up against it here. Pat Lamb is coming back to Galway. Bundy and Finley Bealham are both back in the Connacht team, but this is a big ask. It is, but I definitely think this Connacht team has enough quality, especially with Bealham and, and Bundy back in the team, even Tierno Halloran with his nous as a 15 and Blade at nine, who's been so influential in everything they've done. He's been he's been really good uh, and probably another one who's unlucky not to be in, in the Ireland mix a, a little bit more. Um, so they kind of have those talismanic key men back in, in harness and I think they really should be winning this game Bristol are undoubtedly talented like you look at their back line Max Malins and Vermi Vakatawa Ibatoya on the left wing can do freakish stuff with his athleticism AJ McGinty someone we know really well and and he's a very astute out half but they're, they're an inconsistent force and definitely they have I would say declined from where they were a couple of, of years ago so they're they're beatable and even if a win doesn't get Connacht back into the mix, I mean, it, it would take a bit of a miracle for them to to go through and not be in the Challenge Cup. I think to finish this pool stage with a rousing home performance win and then go into the Challenge Cup and have that, a real rattle at that doesn't seem like a bad return to me. Mm, you're sounding confident. Can you give me four quick predictions? Oh, Munster just, Leinster away. I think Ulster might lose and I think Connacht will win, but without a bonus point. Okay. What do you reckon? We'll see, how, we'll see how it goes. I don't know if I disagree with any of that. Um, not sure on Connacht tonight, but like you say, I wouldn't be surprised if they produced a big performance in the circumstances. Um, yeah, I'd, Leinster and Munster as well. Anyway, I'd be backing to get the job done. And Ulster, God, who knows? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> um, look, we thought the Ireland squad on Wednesday was going to be the major talking point of the week, but big things are happening down under. Joe Schmidt has... Now being confirmed as the new Wallabies head coach, the former Ireland boss has agreed a two-year deal with Rugby Australia, um, which means we'll have Joe Schmidt v Andy Farrell on the Lions Tour next year, which is just great for that Lions Tour, given the sorry state of Australian rugby over the last year or so. And this should just really energise things, and it already makes that Lions Tour already look so much more interesting. It really, really does. What an intriguing coaching back battle, particularly in light of the World Cup quarterfinal when... In my opinion, the New Zealand coaching staff, including Joe Schmidt, got the better of the Irish coaching staff. And, and it was little details, but 
little details that had massive consequences, like a, a line-out play 60 metres out that Paul O'Connell said afterwards was certainly Joe Schmidt's, or, or he, he felt it was Joe Schmidt's design, where they score from 60 metres out. It just doesn't happen in a World Cup quarterfinal. It was brilliant coaching from Schmidt to pick out an area of potential weakness in Ireland's line-out D on a four-man line-out, which is not a scenario they're generally in, and to put New Zealand's strengths, in this case, the the pace of Richie Moanga into that slot and go at it and score a try out of pretty much nothing. It was it was an amazing bit of coaching in in my mind. And there was other details around that. They were just really well prepared and, and Schmidt's fingerprints were all over it. There's no doubt he's an amazing rugby coach. We know that. He's going to work so hard to try and get the Wallabies back to where they really should be and, and feel they should be. And it's it's so interesting over the last couple of days when this has been happening a few of the Aussie journals have been getting on to me asking about Joe Schmidt and they're so kind of unaware of the whole Joe Schmidt story that we obviously lived in for, for so many years we know all the good sides and the bad sides and the intensity and how that can spill over at times but that's going to be all new to them and to the, the players so I think they're just really excited to get a guy who has an amazing record really you know he did amazing things in Irish rugby transformed Irish rugby really and unfortunately it ended in tears and ever since there's just been I don't know people settling scores a little bit and and pointing out the the weaknesses that are there in his his coaching makeup but he's a really shrewd operator and he's so well matched to what they need to do now like they're a rabble in terms of their discipline <laughs> every single time we talked about the Wallabies with, with Owen Toole and on the subscriber pods my main thing was like just don't concede more than 10 penalties and give away two yellow cards in this game and they'll probably win but it continually happened so he'll absolutely snap that out of them they have looked muddy and disorganised completely especially under Eddie Jones in terms of their attack that won't be the case at all they'll be really on the same page and Schmidt is good at harnessing the athletic power of a team in Ireland he felt sometimes he didn't have that quite and, and he adjusted for it but he will have that with, with the Wallabies they have some massive Massive athletes, especially up front, the likes of Skelton and Tupo and a few others who are just kind of unique specimens. And there's just a abundance, I would say, of kind of classy backline talent there as well, which is maybe lacking experience. But I look at someone like Len Ikatau, who missed out on the World Cup squad. Even I know he was injured before it, but I read an interview with him there during the week. He he was back and I can't understand how he wasn't involved, but they have some good operators in the in the backline like him. So I actually think the ingredients are there. It's a challenging time, obviously, for, for Aussie rugby, and we always talk about that, but I think it's just a, literally the perfect appointment for them, and I I would be stunned if they're not ready to go and ready to be highly competitive, not just for the, the Lions tour in 25, but pretty pretty soon, to be honest. He's, he's good at snapping things into shape, and interesting that it is just a two-year deal up until after the Lions tour. He said today maybe he'll be ready to hand over to someone else at that stage or maybe things will go well from his family side of things and being away from them um, but that's a little bit further down the line for now top class appointment what do you, what do you reckon? Oh it's brilliant yeah like I, again I just wouldn't disagree with anything there I think if you look at everything that's gone wrong with Australia and the issues they've had over the last year or so he just looks like the perfect fella to come in and kind of put it all back into some kind of order and, and get a handle on things and get a team who have clearly got a lot of potential into a good place again. Like during the World Cup, I covered Australia once when they, the night they lost to Wales and Leon, and, and just even before the game, like it was so striking how disheartened the Australian supporters were. They'd come across, they traveled, you know, across the world to watch this team. They just had no 
hope really for their for their chances. They were really kind of down on the state of Australian rugby in general, and it was just kind of disheartening to see and striking to see. But at like at the very least, Smith will just get fans excited and energized and interested again, and that's an important part of it too. I think. I'm interested on that side of things because like even though he's been a world coach of the year and won a Grand Slam and very recently been out of World Cup, I do wonder like the general rugby public Owen will be able to give us a bit of insight to this maybe next week will he be that big a name or will he kind of make headlines in that way or will they just be like here's a Kiwi stepping in to save save the day here who is this lad he's been over in Ireland for, for years especially in such a big sporting sphere when rugby really struggles to get any space in, in the newspapers and, and the news bulletins so in, in that way and he's not a big bombastic character like one of the reasons they got Eddie, Eddie Jones in was because they wanted him to go and sell the sport and be on the back pages. Probably not quite in the way that it, it, it panned out. Um, but this is a very different appointment. As I mentioned today, he, he called himself a, a pragmatic person at least twice in the press conference. He said he's not really one for buying into dreams because dreams aren't tangible. He's one for just buying into hard work and getting down and getting his hands dirty. And I think that's why it's, it, it makes sense. He'll make them, I think, a more organised rugby team and not that it's all about organization Australian rugby has a kind of DNA of adventure and uh, a bit of a kind of swashbuckling edge when it's at its best but I think Joe Schmidt teams did sometimes have that yeah it was a little bit more detailed than other sides but the kind of the stereotypes around him have become so ingrained that people have maybe missed that his teams did some brilliant stuff in attack as well and um, I, I can't wait to see how that project pans out yeah, it's good to have him back because he's clearly one of the best coaches around and it would have been a shame if he if he wasn't involved in rugby over the next few years. Um, but look, I think that's us for today, Murray. Thanks for all that. Enjoy. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah, you too. Enjoy Leicester. Hope you have a great trip. Yeah, can't wait. We will be back on Monday to go through all the Champions Cup action and whatever else comes up over the weekend. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the rugby and we'll catch you soon. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Driver's got names for filthy double barrels. He spits out, rips out, only smokes carols.